You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, Westland County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, where I'm in my socially distanced office, with the exception of my poodles that don't understand six feet. Um, and we've got a lot to talk about today because it, it just seems to kind of get a little bit crazier almost every day here in Oregon when it comes to the pandemic. And uh, our governor and OHA have decided to put 15 counties back into extreme risk um, category for Friday, along with the extreme risk restrictions that come with that. But before we jump into all that and the letters that Lane County Commissioner wrote to the, uh, the governor and the letter that the Association of Oregon Counties wrote to the governor, um, some of the metrics, where, where, what the data is here in Lane County, uh, and, and some other issues. I want to remind folks that we are a call-in show. And all you have to do to control the topic on the Bo's Nose Show is give us a call, 646-721-9887. That's 646-721-9887. 721-9887. Just press 1 because that lets Robin, my greener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on the show and uh, talk about what you want to talk about. Um, weigh in on what I'm talking about. Ask me a question. That's why I'm here every Wednesday, 4 o'clock, coming to you live, and you can interact with the county commissioner. And you don't have to be a West Lane County resident. You can be from anywhere in Lane County. You can be from anywhere in the state of Oregon. You can be from anywhere in the world. In fact, when we first started doing this program, we had some insomniac call in from South Africa. <laughs> so uh, it was interesting. So, you know, just a reminder, we are a call-in show, so anytime you want to jump in here. But, you know, eventually I'm going to ask people to make a phone call, not to me. I think it's getting time that the citizens have to weigh in on this because, it's been more than 24 hours since the governor was sent um, both of those letters, and we have not heard a peep from the governor's office about either of those letters. And just to kind of bring some people up to speed that may not have been listening to Bill London um, rail about this in the 6 o'clock hour this morning on KPNW AM Radio 1120, um, or don't you know, haven't heard on the news or haven't been paying attention to the news lately. Um, the governor added a new metric before putting counties in extreme risk around hospital bed utilization. And 
set kind of an arbitrary, what I felt was arbitrary, because I, I still haven't gotten a good explanation of why 300 beds utilized by COVID patients was somehow or another magical in, in this entire state when we had many, many more beds than that being used by COVID patients in the fall and never really ran into a hospital capacity issue uh, in this state. And right now, at least in this area, we're not tracking that high of a hospital usage at all compared to last fall. It seems like almost all the hospital usage is happening from basically the Dalles to Astoria along the Columbia River. And guess what that includes? Portland. So, you know, if something's going on bad in Portland, the whole rest of the state has to suffer. You guys out there in Burns, you've got to shut down your indoor dining. <laughs> um, so, it, but that's basically what the governors and OHA have added this statewide metric. And it has some logic to it because basically the, the, the hospital systems in this state are all interconnected. If um, McKenzie, Willamette has overload, you know, they overflow to Peace Health. Peace Health and Mackenzie Willamette are both overloaded. They might overflow up to OHSU in Portland. And the vice, it happens the other way, you know, and back and forth between cities and regions if a region's overloaded. Now, mind you, we only have two of the six regions right now that are even in danger at all of that, um, according to the governor's and OHA's numbers, and I still, we'll get back to, you know, what what hospital capacity really is and how you define that and how it seems to be changing in Oregon, because we had one definition of number of beds in November, and the definition's changed now. It's gotten smaller, and no one's explained that one to us either. Um, so, yeah, there's this new 300 bed in percent growth metric that supposedly we meet. So because of that, we're going to place all these 15 counties into the extreme risk category. And I just want to make sure people understand, you know, going from high to extreme is significant. You know, it, it has some real impacts. And probably the biggest one, the one that's most visible to everybody, is suddenly you cannot sit in a restaurant. I mean, somebody's waved their magic wand, as Bill London's want to say, and you can no longer sit. You know, the wand waves and you're allowed to sit. The wand waves again and you're not allowed to sit. Basically, the wand's waving again and you will not be allowed to sit in a restaurant. The only thing that's going to be allowed is outdoor dining, but they're going to increase that from 50 people up to a whole hundred. Well, I don't know about you. But I've been to multiple restaurants around this community, and the outdoor dining capacity of a lot of these places is minuscule at best. I was at a little pizza place down there in Springfield today for lunch. They've got two four-person, and I mean four-person if you're really close with the people you're sitting with, picnic tables they can fit in front of their, their, their restaurant. They're, you know, in that block between 2nd and 3rd, I guess it is, on uh, or Pioneer Parkway and 3rd on uh, Main Street, you know, same place where Plank Town and all that is. There's a little pizza place. Um, they don't have a lot of sidewalk in front of them. How are they going to get up to, to 50, let alone 100? It's just, some of it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but 
you know, really what doesn't make sense is why restaurants? We'll talk about where the transmissions are happening a little bit, but that, that's not where we're seeing the spread. So why restrict restaurants even further? I mean, under high risk, they're already down to 25% maximum occupancy inside. So you're talking about tables or, you know, every other table's shut down at least, if not every fourth, you know, only every fourth table's allowed to be occupied. Um, you know, they have to shut down at 11 p.m., you know, you know, six people max per party at a table under the high risk. No one's asking them to, to drop those standards. What we're questioning is why the extreme risk standards that don't seem to be addressing why we're even having case count growth and hospital use, utilization growth. And that's basically, you know, the questions that were asked by the Lane County Board of Commissioners and the Chambers of Commerce that all signed on to this letter from the board. I mean, it was the Board of Commissioners voted unanimously to approve this letter. Cottage Grove Chamber of Commerce, the Eugene Chamber of Commerce, the Florence Chamber of Commerce, the Oak Ridge Westford Chamber of Commerce, and the Springfield Chamber of Commerce. Not quite sure why the Tri County Chamber of Commerce didn't jump in for Junction City, but I'll find out about that later. They just probably weren't, couldn't react fast enough. You know, all these chambers of commerce and the board of commissioners in unanimous vote. So that means it wasn't, you know, just the rural guys or just the guys from the city. It wasn't just the liberals. It wasn't just the conservatives. Every commissioner representing the entire county. That's a lot of people that voted for us and that we represent. That's on top of the letter that was sent from the Association of Oregon Counties that over 80 county commissioners from around the state, and again, all five Lane County commissioners signed that letter too. So it's from every side of the political spectrum, Democrat, Republican, liberal progressives to, you know, Christian conservatives, you name it, signed on to that letter. And they you know, both have one thing in common. And and the letter from the Association of Oregon Counties was also co-signed by the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association and was mostly dealing with restaurants and the hospitality industry. But both of them asked for one thing in common in both letters. Please immediately relook at your sector guidance for high risk and extreme risk categories and determine whether or not that actually matches current trends in case transmissions. Because there's no point in suppressing commerce, damaging people financially, damaging the mental health of the workers in it. Can you imagine, you know, here you, you're finally back to work as, as a waitress and uh, got called back in, you know, uh, for extra days, maybe as a cook or something like that. And you're you're finally starting to make ends meet. And suddenly, within three days, you go from employed to unemployed again. Because we, the other part about this is there was basically almost no notice. No warning weeks, no nothing. We just were going, 
you're going straight to extreme, folks. Some, some of the counties jumped a couple categories. But really, that, that was a big question. The, the sort of extra dimensional on the one from Lane County, one of the reasons why we sent a separate letter is what hasn't really been focused on in the press is we got shorted vaccine doses this week. Somehow or another, and OHA agrees they, they screwed up somehow or another, they shorted us thousands of doses of vaccine in their allocation this week. And when we, we got their at vaccine allocation notice on Thursday and contacted them Friday morning to say, hey, what's going on here? Um, and they're like, oh, we must have screwed up. They went and found us thousands of doses of vaccine within 24 hours that hadn't been used yet and were sitting in storage. One particular pharmacy in the Portland area had 3,000 doses they hadn't been able to get into arms that they're transferring down to us. Because, you know, in Lane County, we still have people lining up. As soon as we open up spaces in our, our uh, sign-up online, they're filling a week in advance. People are still, there are still enough people driving demand here for the vaccine, yet they shorted us vaccine. So one of the first items in the, in the Lane County thing is to increase the number of vaccines allocated to Lane County. <laughs> That wasn't in the, the, the AOC letter because it, you know, that wasn't a statewide concern because there are actually areas where they've reached kind of the saturation point of the people that actually are willing to get a vaccine and, and take a vaccine, which that's a personal choice. I'm not going to shame people about that. Personally, I'm getting my second dose on Friday. My wife has had both her doses. Um, I don't believe there's any real um, risk in, in getting the vaccines, there is, there is a definitive risk in not getting it. I mean, the vaccines have been shown to prevent getting the disease by a significant amount. And if you do get the disease, if, you get, if you're one of those breakthrough cases, the severity is, is usually very, very low. You, know, you might test positive and have no symptoms, or you might have a mild, mild cold, mild flu symptoms, but you know, we're just not seeing the breakthrough cases on ventilators in the ICU. So we still have demand for vaccine here in Lane County, and I think we've done a great job in getting them out, which is one of the reasons why Lane County, even though we're seeing some increases in case counts, our hospitalizations really aren't jumping up any you know significantly and neither is our ICU usage. We're one of the regions in the state that is still well, well, well below our capacity. And well below what was we were seeing in the fall when we didn't push our capacity. Because we have the ability to surge our capacity in our hospital systems. And that's one of the things that kind of is bothering me about this statewide hospital metric is it it's Based, this 300 beds is kind of based on a non-surge model at all, you know, and if it was, when you think 300 beds compared to what we can surge to, it's a small percentage of what we can surge to. Now, mind you, when we do go to the point of surging, we start, you know, bumping other people out of hospitals to cover COVID cases, particularly, um, you know, uh, elective surgeries and, and things like that. Um, so there is a, a cost to that. Not only that, it also requires a lot of overtime and a lot of stress and staff. So I'm not saying that's a good thing, but to kind of 
color this decision around, well, we're protecting our hospital capacity. It's like, what are we really protecting? And it's interesting that it comes while the governor makes another self-appointed declaration of another 60 days of dictatorial emergency powers. Um, so, but I, I digress a little bit. I think I was trying to explain extreme risk and high risk, but you know, the most obvious one, restaurants. I want to just put this in a little bit of perspective. According to Orla, 1,100 restaurants across the state have closed permanently since the start of the pandemic. There's only 9,000 about left. So the governor's second thing to this is she's going to go to the legislature and request, which doesn't mean she has the money, $20 million in economic aid to weather putting these counties into extreme risk. Well, you know, you take $20 million, divide it by 9,000, it's about 2,000 a restaurant, um, <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't get you very far. It probably doesn't cover the, the loss of income from one day of closing that dining room. Restaurants, big issue from high risk to extreme risk guidance. Yeah, and I would question whether even the high risk is the correct place to put, because we're not seeing case transmissions from restaurants. So the other places you see, you know, are churches and funeral homes. They have to go from a max capacity of, of 25% or 150 to a max capacity of 25% or 100 total, which, you know, there are a lot of churches that hold a heck of a lot more than 100 people. And this is kind of where some of these metrics get a little funky. And I've talked about this before. There is a former church that was converted to a theater that under the, the high risk is only allowed to have 50 people in it. But when it, if it stayed a church, it'd be allowed to have 150. And when you get to the extreme risk, you basically shut the, the theater down. There's no way it can operate under the requirements which are basically, you know, have to be a maximum six feet, maximum six people total. I don't know any theater that operates on six customers. But the church is allowed 100. The theater is only allowed six. So logic and metrics and guidance, that's, that's please look at those. See if they make sense. Are we actually seeing transmissions tied to theaters? Are we seeing them tied to churches? And actually, we have seen a few that that, that done that early on in, the, in this. Um, gymnasiums are another place that get slammed under extreme risk. We've seen three cases in the entire state over the last year tied to gymnasiums. I mean, three outbreaks, not three cases. Three separate gyms, all three of which were flaunting even the rules under the, the, the risk categories that allowed them to be open, let alone some of them completely flaunted the shutdowns where they weren't requiring masks, they weren't you know, doing proper sanitation or distancing inside their gyms. So, yeah, if you're going to completely ignore all hygiene and, and good good conduct, yeah, some places are going to have that problem. But you're punishing all the gyms that want to obey the rules. 
So really what we were asking for, and it's pretty simple in both these letters is, you know, please reconsider whether or not this meets what today's standards are and post-vaccination. I mean, Lane County is over 50% of our adult populations had at least one dose. You know, we've really, you know, vaccinated our elderly population and our vulnerable populations. Our medical providers that wanted to be vaccinated have been vaccinated. Yeah, so, you know, is that considered in, in, the, in these risk levels? Where is Lane County seeing cases? Why are we seeing case growth? We're seeing it in younger people. We're seeing it in an age demographic that we almost saw zero cases in up to this point of the pandemic. K through 12 is now running about 20% of our caseload. And if you want to talk about, and Louis speaks up, you want to talk about 50% plus of our caseload is from age 10 to age 29. Now, when you look at that demographic, you know, as far as, you know, where they are in, you know, risk and all that, when you're looking at um, age group-wise, you're looking at less than 0.04% mortality rate in that 0 to 29 age group. Less than a half percent of the total cases previously had been in that age group at all, even though they make up 35% of the U.S. population, that age classification. So, you know, yeah, we're seeing some case counts go up, and, and it's probably due to the case of 12, you know, going to their, um, you know, this sort of reopening they've done where their kids are only coming to class two days a week or whatever it is they're doing, the hybrid model, as they call it. So we're seeing cases there. Now, a lot of these are just test positive cases. No no symptoms at all. So that's part of what's driving us into the quote, the extreme case count category, which is to another place we'd like to see them look at the metrics. You know, because we've gotten over this 200 cases per 100,000 over the last two weeks, um, that's where where we're, we're getting dinged. And it's because of what we're seeing in K-12 and college-age kids. Now, mind you, last surge I picked on the U of O a lot, they're still kind of not really, their case count's growing, but it's growing about the same as the rest of the population. Um, last week, they reported about, oh, uh, 78 cases between on and off campus students and staff. And the week before that, it was about 68 or 70. So it, it's, you know, they're not not where they were before, where they're adding hundreds of cases to our caseload. Um, 
So you're seeing a lot of non-students in those age groups. And, and what we're seeing when we do the contact tracing is these are household contacts. These are things that are happening in the home. And excuse me for a minute while I tell the dogs to be quiet. Hey. And it works so well. <laughs> um, and here they come. So we're seeing household transmissions. You know, when you get, you know, one of the things is you go to the grocery store, people are still wearing their mask in the grocery store because they know they need to wear their mask to get in the grocery store that, you know, they have to go through the hassle of trying to explain why they have an exemption or, you know, all that, those good things. So you're still seeing people in public doing the things they need to do. But, Louis, um, but we're seeing that when people get home, they're letting their guard down. And they're starting to socialize without practicing distancing and not being as careful. And the transmissions we're seeing are at home. So how is shutting a restaurant dining room down going to change that transmission rate at home? How is limiting the number of people that can go to a theater to six people going to change that transmission at home? In fact, what you're doing is you're forcing more people to stay home. Where that's the transmissions are happening. Because people are letting their guard down because they're not being seen in public. Because there are people that are kind of gotten COVID pandemic fatigue. And they're, they're, it's not over yet. We don't have herd immunity yet. We got to get 70% of the population vaccinated and second dose two weeks after their second dose. We're not there yet. We're barely past 50% with one dose. So, you know, that's, and that's going to be hard to get there because it, we start running into that 40% or so of the population that's reluctant to get a vaccine. So we still have to be careful. And it's still a dangerous disease. You know, some of the people that are unvaccinated that are getting it are still passing away, although we have not seen a death in Lane County in 22 days. When's the last time I've been able to say that? So that's why we need to hear back from the governor's office. I mean, I wish I could say I've got an email back from the governor's office and they're reconsidering, you know, I've seen a response to either, you know, the Association of Oregon Counties or I've seen a response back to the Board of Commissioners letter. But we're not seeing them. You know, that that's, you know, if I see the response, I'll let everybody know about it. But because I haven't seen a response and it's been over 24 hours, I'm calling on you, the citizens now, need to contact the governor's office. Apparently, elected officials that represent, you know, almost all the constituents, because, you know, we saw just about every county sign that letter, 
across the entire state, you know, that's not enough to get a response out of the governor's office. Maybe if we can flood or switchboard. And the telephone number for the governor's office is 503-378-4582. 503-378-GLUB, which is the sound our economy is going to make if she doesn't start reconsidering some of the guidance around extreme risk. 503-378-GLUB. Press three as soon as you, you know, start getting the recording. That'll take you straight to where you can leave the governor a message. Be polite. No swear words. We don't need to have her talk about how people were calling up and threatening her or swearing at her. Be polite. Just ask her to reconsider placing counties into extreme risk on Friday. Put a hold on that till at least Monday. Have an emergency session of our, her, all of her advisors in OHA. Talk to the county public health officials. Think about a set of criteria and guidance that deals with where the transmissions are happening versus punishing businesses that have nothing to do with where they're happening. Deal with the real problem. Don't just exercise power. That's good governance. What she's going to do this Friday is not good governance. So you know, the phone number's on our screen right now if you're watching Facebook Live. Thank you, Robin. That's 503-378-4582. I'm going to put it up in a post here uh, this evening. I'm I'm going to be writing a little release asking people to contact the governor's office. There's also, you can go to her, you know, if you Google, you know, Oregon Governor Kate Brown, you can get to the governor's Facebook page and click the contact um, link, and that'll take you to where you can fill in a form to leave your your there's no way to email the governor. She does not have an email address, unfortunately. But there is a contact form. That's another place you can leave your, your comments. Again, st- please stay polite. Leave out the curse words because it just takes away from our argument. But if she starts hearing from thousands of Oregonians that she's got to reconsider this decision, put it off at least till Monday. I mean, isn't this Mother's Day weekend or, or coming up on Mother's Day weekend? We're going to shut restaurants down leading into that. One of the biggest weekends for restaurants, period. We need to really consider um, you know, what's going on here. I just got... You know, I was checking my email just to make sure that while I was getting ready for the show, I didn't get a response back from the governor's office. And the first thing that popped up on my email was Douglas County Board of Commissioners joined coalition of Oregon counties signing and sending a letter to the governor. Douglas County. I saw signatures from Clackamas and Yamhill and all over the state. You know, it's just, you know, it's just amazing that, 
rarely do I see such a, 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 a bipartisan, across-the-state, urban-rural, you know, call like this. I mean, I, I you know, Deschutes County, Polk County, Lake County, Union County, Clatsop County, Crook County, Baker County, Hood River, Coos County. You know, I, I, Jefferson, Morrow, I was just reading some of the counties of the commissioners that signed this. I mean, Catherine Harrington from Washington County, no one can say that she's some rural conservative. Think about the, I'm seeing just about every county here, I think about the only one, you know, there's Pam Treese from Washington County. Um, I mean, if you think about, you know, divergent opinions, Lori Trigger with Lane County signed and I signed. How often do you hear Lori and I agree during board meetings? <laughs> yeah. I think all the Washington County commissioners signed on. The only county I'm seeing missing from this list as I scroll quickly down it, and it wasn't a very careful scroll, is I did not see Multnomah County, any Multnomah County commissioners sign the letter. Of course, Multnomah County is Portland. And remember PG&E, Portland gets everything. So maybe that's, you know, a little self-protection there, but, you know, there's just almost every county. I saw every county around Portland except for Multnomah. I saw them across the state on this list. I saw Marion County at Salem, Lynn County commissioners, Lane County commissioners. You know, that, that's a pretty broad spectrum. The governor needs to listen to the elected officials that are directly elected from every county, with the exception of Multnomah, I didn't ask about this. Not sure if they just didn't couldn't act in time and, and didn't get to it because it was a very short notice. We basically got notice first thing in the morning that we're that this letter was being sent because we got very short notice about the extreme risk being declared and and the 15 counties being put into it. So we had to be very fast in our response. Um, so I, that may be why Multnomah is not on there. I don't want to guess as to why. Um, but, you know, get this, all these elected officials, now she needs to hear from you. She needs to hear from the citizens. Ask her, why is 300 beds so important? You know, why are we sticking to guidance that was developed before the vaccine was even available? I mean, this guidance was originally developed in the beginning of November and hasn't changed hardly at all since then. And it hasn't taken into account where we're seeing transmissions in recent days and weeks. Hasn't taken into account the fact that we're not seeing as severe cases because we vaccinated some of our most vulnerable citizens and they're not coming down with severe cases if they do get a breakthrough case. You know, it just, kind of 
kind of like our, our, you know, unemployment department that's still using a COBOL 1980s computer program. Our Oregon Health Authority and the governor are still using guidelines developed before there was a vaccine. I mean, we're so proud in Oregon of how many vaccines we've gotten into arms. Let's change our strategies based on the fact that we've gotten those vaccines into arms. So now that I've put out my call for action, I'm going to pause for a minute and allow you to call me and remind folks this is a call-in show, 646-721-9887. Just press one, and that lets us know you want to get in on the show here on the Bose Nose Show. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And press one, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. And I'll remind you of that other number I'd like you to call. Call Governor Kate Brown. Ask her to reconsider the metrics and, and risk level guidance for counties for the pandemic at 503-378-4582 or GLUB, 503-378-GLUB. You know, it's kind of a funny aside, as I figured out that those letters meant GLUB, and I was sitting with a friend of mine at that little pizza joint on Main Street in Springfield, and uh, when we realized we could spell glove with the governor's phone number, uh, he went to the urban dictionary to figure out if glove had some some meaning. And it actually came up as uh, the, the definition was the girl you pick up in a club and then realize later she's not as good looking as you thought she was when you were in the club. <laughs> and that's a glove. Uh, I'd never heard that term. It also said it's the sound a drowning person makes, which is probably more appropriate. But, uh, you know, just, you know, so it's kind of interesting that the governor's last four digits spell glove because that's what our economy is going to be doing, drowning. Because we're restricting commerce in an area that's not causing the use of hospital beds and the transmission of COVID cases. It's as simple as that. I don't know how you get people to behave better when they're in their homes. That's purely going to be about messaging. We're not going to be able to go and say, ah, 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 you've got to, you know, you can't have your six different neighbors over today for beer. Yeah. And actually what we're seeing is a lot of, you know, apartment parties at the college, you know, that, that 20 to, you know, the 20 somethings, you know, are, that's where a lot of transmissions are happening. There's small private parties. Kids actually, some of them gotten them from unvaccinated teachers, which is a whole different question. But kids are also getting them in household transmissions from adults that are socializing without taking precautions. So along with my message of, you know, call the governor, let her know she needs to reconsider metrics and guidances when it comes to the pandemic and extreme 
high and extreme risk guidances. Also, I'm admonishing people, don't let your guard down. Take this thing seriously, because there are still people dying in Oregon. Two people yesterday died of COVID. Not near what we were seeing last fall. It's getting better, but we're kind of in this race to try and get enough people vaccinated to get to herd immunity versus trying to, you know, making sure we're keeping the spread of the disease down to where it doesn't overwhelm some of our systems while we're getting that herd immunity. And the only way to do that is we got to control some of that spread. And personal behaviors are really the only way to control that. Frankly, I don't think any of the business restrictions really had a lot of deep impact because you can compare us to states that were less restrictive that saw similar COVID case rates and COVID death rates. The state of Maine, very close to Oregon in numbers, yet not near as restrictive on business. So um, we really uh, need to just keep vigilant, pay attention to all the things they've been talking about before. I know there are people that question whether masks are effective. They're not 100% effective. No one ever has said they were. They do limit some transmissions. There's something in communicable diseases called RO, and it's, you know, a large capital letter R and a little O, you know, zero down at the bottom of it. And it's basically about you know, RO of one basically is one case will lead to only one other case. And at that kind of, an RO of one is basically going to keep the same amount of that disease in the population over time. If it gets below one, the disease will eventually die out because you're only getting less than one case per every new case. If it's over one, it's spreading and increasing. And that's what we're seeing right now is that we, that RO is greater than one out there. That's why we're seeing increasing in, of cases. Now, there's a whole different side of that, that now the cases aren't as severe or having as, as severe consequences, although there's still severe consequences in getting COVID. Don't fool yourself. You can die from it even if you're an 18-year-old. You can have, you know, the, the, the long haulers version of COVID and, and be suffering where you can't walk up a flight of stairs um, for a year. Uh, you know, it's not a fun thing to have. I've had friends get it, put you down. It's a severe disease. Um, so don't, don't toy with it. But we got to keep that RO down and mask your part of it. It's not the end all. It might trim a, a RO of two down to a 1.9 or a 1.8, but any reduction is a reduction. Washing your hands might be another little tenth of a point or something like that. Staying six feet apart. Another good thing. Staying out of crowds. Keeping your bubble small which is that's about those household transmissions is people are expanding their bubble. And what happens is when you expand your bubble, it's your, your, it's a geometric expansion. You know, right now I have a fairly small bubble. 
you know, Elizabeth and our two employees are probably the, the three people I'm exposed to the most often for the longest periods of time in indoor settings. I don't, I'm, you know, I do go to the grocery store, but I'm masked up, hand, you know, good hand hygiene and all that stuff. I don't think I'm really getting exposed there. I'm not doing a lot of socializing. But as soon as I start, you know, socializing with another person, I put myself into their bubble. And their bubble's not just them. It's everybody else that's in their bubble. And depending on how careful that person is, it can be a lot of people. And every person that they're connected to has a bubble. So my bubble might be Elizabeth and my and her two employees that I see a lot. But it also includes the bubble for those people. So just think about keeping your bubble small right now. Try and keep that RO less than one, that, that transmission rate, because that's what's going to get us out of this in the long run. Part of that, is, you know, ultimately we get enough of our population vaccinated, that'll drive the RO down also. But until we've driven that RO down and we're seeing a real fall off in cases, we all still have to be careful. Now, whether we have to shut in restaurant dining down, I don't think so. Shut our gyms down where we're not seeing transmissions, I don't think so. Treat theaters and, and, and churches different from each other, even though they're basically the same kind of facilities, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So, I, you know, <clears throat> we need to have our state government use good data and good science, make some good decisions, connect the dots on the economy. We're having a mental health impact on our population. And my God, Google Georgia mom lectures school board on COVID. You know, and, and listen to that tape uh, sometime if you want to hear just a plea for the mental health of, of somebody's children. I mean, we're making six-year-olds wear masks. If a six-year-old gets COVID, it's almost always a um, asymptomatic case. But but the the what what are we doing mentally? after a year of continuing to tell children they've got to wear a mask all the time. You know, we're having a, 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 an impact on our population, and, and we're seeing that impact. We're seeing drug overdoses just skyrocket. And, you know, we, articles, pot sales set record in Oregon, liquor sales, Set record in Oregon. <coughs> kind of wonder why are people self-medicating through this pandemic a little bit? Uh, maybe. You think that's going to be helpful in the long run to the state? What's the long-term damage if we create a few thousand more alcoholics, a few thousand more drug abusers, 
because we held on to this. So, Robin, I see we've got somebody up there. You check in on it. Great. So, just a reminder, we are a call-in show, 646-721-9887. And I think we've got somebody calling in. Robin, is that somebody that wants to ask a question? Jay, we got Harry that wants to uh, speak with you. Oh, great. Welcome to the show, Harry. What's on your mind? Hello, Jay. Are you there? Hi, hey, Harry. How hello. you doing? What's on your Hi, mind? I, I was just, yeah, I was just calling in. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I heard you commenting about children wearing masks, and uh, I'm a candidate for the 4J school board in Eugene. And uh, I'm running on the platform of getting our kids back to school and uh, preferably without masks is, uh, you know, I, I am concerned about the mental health uh, as, as we return our, our society, you know, kind of back to normal here. Yeah, well, that's a pretty good platform to be running on right now because I, did you hear that um, Take that audio from that woman that was lecturing the school board. I think it's in Gwinnett County, Georgia. I, I I did. I thought that was very very powerful, and I recommend that that all of your listeners uh, search that out and listen to it. Yeah, very very powerful. I mean, uh, this this woman's pleading with the school board, and she makes a really great point in that that audio. Nobody elected the people from the CDC, but like you. Folks can elect a school board member, and once they've elected them, they're expecting the school board members to make decisions because they answer to the people that elected them. And that's what was basically part of her plea was, you know, she didn't want to hear this excuse, but the CDC says this or that. We elected them to make the decisions. And and I think the fact that you're running on that platform uh, speaks volumes. So I'm going to let you do a little self-promo here. Harry, you know, why don't you give us your, your full name, and uh, if there's some way of uh, you want people to get in contact with you or the best way to support you, go for it right now. Yeah, thank you. So my name, my full name is Harry Sanger, and I can be reached at hj for 4 j at gmail.com or also on facebook.com slash hj for 4 j Thank you. Great. Well, thank you for calling, Harry. Um, any other things on your platform besides uh, trying to get kids back in school without masks? Yeah, um, I, I I think that uh, during during the pandemic, that uh, IIEP plans and talented and gifted students uh, were not really accounted for. Everything was was generalized. And I think we really need to focus on uh, bringing up the children that are, are needing extra um, attention as, as well as providing a path forward for, for children that have a, have a you know, desire to, to achieve excellence. And um, I, I think that we need to provide uh, alternative education pathways like, like career and uh, technical education to ensure that, that kids that excel academically have a chance to succeed, but also um, kids with other interests have a pathway to success. I, I, I think that we really need to 
you know, allocate the resources to, to all students and across the district. And um, I, you know, I, I particularly speak for the, the North Eugene region. I'm, I'm a member of the River Road Community Organization. And uh, I, I really want to hear from my neighbors and, and help to provide a voice for, for uh, citizens of our community that haven't had that voice. Well, that's great. And the North Eugene uh, High School capture area seems to be fairly underrepresented on the school board at times. So having lived in, in River Road myself, I appreciate that. Um, so best of luck, Harry, uh, in your run for 4J. Uh, and it's, I just want to um, thank you for stepping up and volunteering to run uh, because it just it seems like a lot of people like to complain but not too many people like to put themselves out there, uh, run for office, and be willing to serve if they are elected. So I, I want to thank you for that, and thank you for calling in today. Yeah, th thank you, Jan. And likewise, I'd like to thank you and the other Lane County commissioners that signed on to the, the letter to the governor. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Harry. All right. Bye. Yep. So that that's – see how easy that is for somebody to call in and um, – take the show a little bit different direction because, you know, we were talking mostly about, you know, business guidelines and restrictions, and we veered a little bit into some of the uh, uh, school issues around COVID there, but also gave uh, Harry an opportunity to, to talk about what he'd like to do if he is elected to 4J. And if you're out there running for school board and want to give me a shout, uh, I'll give you your couple minutes, too, on the Bo's Nose show here coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. And I just want to remind folks of the phone number one more time, 646-721-9887, and press 1 so that little question mark comes up so Robin knows you're not just calling in to listen, because we do have people that do that. Um, and I'm going to give the number one more time for the governor's office, because we only got about five minutes left in the Bo's Nose show. In fact, I'm probably going to give it a couple times. You know, you've listened to me. The letters, I'm going to put copies of the letters up on my Facebook page that, that the Association of Orr Counties sent and the Board of Commissioners sent. I'm going to put my own personal plea up there for the governor to postpone the decision to move us into extreme risk and reconsider the state metrics for for the risk categories and also to reconsider the guidelines by industry taking into account our vaccinations and also where our transmissions are being seen. And I want you all to call the governor and ask for the same thing. Ask her to take a look at, postpone her decision at least till Monday Ask her to look at the metrics of what make you makes a county high or extreme risk. And ask her to look at what is the restrictions that come with those and to match both the metrics and the restrictions up to the fact that we're post-vaccine now and also where are the transmissions happening. 503. 378-4582. 503-378-GLOVE. <laughs> and Robin, I see you got your hand up and you got your camera on. <laughs> I'm just thinking, call the head glubber. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, anyway, one thing I wanted to mention real quick about the schools and about the mass requirement, and they just changed the uh, mass requirement for athletes, is the liability of, uh, like Maggie Williams that broke the 800-meter school record, fainted as she crossed the finish line due to uh, oxygen starvation, is that what if she would have died following the recommendation for um, wearing the mask in something that, if you're running, you need to you need to breathe. Yeah, and fortunately, Dr. Fauci, in another reversal of reversals, <laughs> has has issued new um, outdoor mask um, guidances that say that if you're in a non-contact outdoor sport like track and field and cross country, you don't have to wear a mask. Funny how that new guidance came out shortly after that incident. <laughs> yeah. That incident actually made national news. Mm, what a coincidence. Yeah. Well, you know, here we are trying to protect kids who have a very high survival rate of COVID, right? Right. By making them wear a mask during athletic events where there's a very low chance in outdoor settings that they're even going to spread it. And the kid went into concussion protocol after that race. Yep. Now, what do you think is a higher risk for that kid, being in a concussion protocol? Because she fainted and fell on her face. Yeah. That, which, was, which was more risky, for her to have that mask off or to, be, to get a concussion? Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, what if she had died? Yeah, or... Um, I'm kind of scrolling through the uh, through one of the articles here because I think she suffered some other internal injuries due to uh, oxygen deprivation. Yeah, yeah. And, and I gotta say, can you imagine the grit of somebody to be able to set a a record? In well, 800 meters is a nasty race anyway. I don't know if you people have run track. I did in high school. When I ran it, it was the 880 half mile. <laughs> so before they made them meters. But no matter what, that is a tough damn race. I mean, it's not a sprint. It's not really long distance. It is a bear. And that's, that second quarter mile or, you know, is, is just a killer. And to, to be going into oxygen deprivation and still finish to the point where you fainted at the finish line, that is some grit because you know that didn't start that didn't happen right at the finish line that happened started happening you know yards away from it and she ran through that to set the record yeah it's like challenging people like oh yeah well try doing it when you can't breathe yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well it's like the idiots that put the plastic bag over their head and and, and almost you know you know choke themselves out because it gives them a little bit of a high <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Have a laundry detergent thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to eat Tide Pods while we're at it. Uh, so that's about it for the Bo's Nose Show this week. Again, call the governor's office. Leave that message, 503-378-4582, press 3. Leave her a message, be polite, but ask her to pwn going into extreme risk and change the guidances. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Bose Nose Show. Have a great week. <laughs>